save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Welcome into the latest patron episode here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. I'm Ethan Skolnick, co-founder of the network, also co-host of the Five Reasons Sports Podcast. Be sure to check out our latest episode, which we'll be posting overnight. We did interviews at Heat Media Day, Chris Whittingham and I, with Udonis Haslam, Goran Dragic, and Josh Richardson. They're all really great, and we basically strung them together about 15 minutes each, so look for that in our library. All right, one of the things that we want to do here is some more crossover stuff. Now, guys, I'm here with Nikias Duncan, and also, you know, I'm just going to call him Leif, uh, which basically are the, in my view, the smartest guy and the most connected guy in Miami Heat beat. Uh, to get these two guys, I had to take Giancarlo Navis, uh, which was, you know, not such a great trade, maybe. But uh, I did spend a lot of time with uh, with Navis and, and also other three other members of Heat Beat today at Heat Media Day. They did five interviews of their own. They're going to be posting that on the Miami Heat Beat feed. But guys, what I want to do with you today as training camp starts is we know that Jimmy Butler is still in play and that the Heat are still working on this. Doesn't mean that they're going to get him, but they've been in play since the middle of next of last week. And they're still in play. And they're trying to make a deal with the Minnesota Timberwolves to get a frontline player. But until that happens, we should evaluate the other players that are here. And there are 20 players that are going to be in training camp. One of them, Dion Waiters, is not going to be available. What we want to do with you two guys is, if these are the 20 guys they're taking to camp, what are we expecting from all of them? And so I just want to kind of go to both of you guys on this. And we're going to do this alphabetically. So Bam Adebayo uh, spoke to Miami Heat Beat today. He spoke about the progress he's made this summer, some of the extra work that he's done. A lot of the other guys talked about it. Nikias, I'll start with you. What do you expect from Bam in this camp and in this season? Um, I expect him to have a good camp. Um, just by seeing how much work he's put in over the summer, how he's played in some pro-am games down in Miami, he's looked like he's improved quite a bit on the ball. Um, he's certainly been working on the shooting range. I'm not sure how much of that is going to translate into like regular season play. But you can tell that he's putting in work on ball handling and his jumper. Um, in terms of what I expect for him this season, it's really going to depend on, I guess, this Jimmy Butler scenario. Because if nothing happens, you're going to be looking at um, a lot of minutes for Hassan if he's healthy. Kelly Olenek's definitely going to get some front court minutes. James Johnson's going to be playing the four and the five. So I'm just not sure how big of a role Bam's going to have, even if he deserves a, a, at least 20, 25 minutes a night, I think. So, Leif, I want to go to you on sort of the transactional aspect of this because I've heard consistently that they don't want to move him, that, that they view him as a core piece going forward. So, in your estimation, based on your context, how do you think they view him? From every indication I've gotten all summer is that Bam Adebayo is the one guy that they have not put on the table. Uh, and that includes, like, when they were going down the, the Kauai road and and looking at all these different guys that's the one guy that they feel like has the potential to reach like an elite status so he's the one guy that has not been put on the table um so you know like i i think that they would rather not put him in a deal i think that if a shaquille o'neal type situation were to all of a sudden present itself then all of a sudden not a bio becomes expendable just by the fact that you know you're looking at a real 
um, elite, I don't know, let's say top seven guy, like an Anthony Davis, obviously Bam Adebayo becomes a conversational piece. But um, so far, to my knowledge, Bam Adebayo has not been put on the table um, in any trade all summer. And what you've seen from the Heat in recent years is that kind of trade, right? So you, you look at the Shaq trade, you talk about him, you know, they had a guy in Karan Butler, Lamar Odom coming off a really strong season. They made the decision, Riley made the decision that was worth the gamble. The first move he makes when he comes to Miami is he's got a really good player in Glenn Rice, decides that that's not a cornerstone player, at least not a number one guy, goes and gets Alonzo Mourning. So I, I do think everybody with Riley is eventually on the table, but I've heard the same thing as you that they would rather not move Bam, that they view his potential uh, as being significant enough that they don't want to give up on that. And I've sort of looked at the numbers on this. You know, if you look at his first season, it's comparable to Clint Capella's second season. Um, Capella didn't do anything as a rookie, and so you could see a similar type projection. We saw what Capella, Capella got this offseason, and I know they wanted to draft Capella, but decided to draft Shabazz Napier because, well, LeBron. All right, so let's move on to number two, uh, Goran Dragic. We spent some time with him today and about what he wanted to improve. So I don't want to give it all away, but I will say this. He spent most of the summer, Nikias, working on his right. Um, he said basically that, that he felt that two things contributed to the drop-off. I actually cited a drop-off you mentioned in one of your articles at HeatBeatMiami.com. I did not cite you on it, uh, but I did mention it that – uh, his percentages around the rim were not where they've been in previous years. So he attributed that to two things. One is that he needs to use his right hand more. And two, that he got tired last season. And so he has changed his off-season routine again. I feel like he changes this every summer. One summer he says, you know, he needs to work more. The next summer he says he needs to work less. So he worked less this summer. What is your projection for Goron this season? Um, the year that he had last year was kind of the year that I was going to expect for him to have this year. Like the dip came a little earlier than I expected. And I attribute at least some of that to the long summer that he had. Um, but I do think I expect him to work a little bit more off ball just because Deion Waiters will probably be back eventually if he isn't moved. Dwayne Wade is obviously there. I would imagine they want um, Josh Richardson to continue growing on ball. So I think that would be a great way to kind of conserve Gorn a little bit let him get some more catch and shoot opportunities because he's been flirting around 40% for the last three years from three. So I feel like that would be a way to conserve him. Also spread the floor a little bit more. So Leif, what's interesting to me about Dragic during his time here is that Riley goes out and spends the two first round picks to bring him in. So he makes a considerable sort of, you know, effort to get this guy gives up a lot to get him. And yet whenever they talk about the core of the franchise, Pat never mentions him. I, I just, it's just something I've, I've heard consistently from him. I remember even a couple of years ago when they did a, a, a highlight video and Goran wasn't on it. And this is a guy who was their only all-star this year. So your perception of kind of how they view him right now going forward. Well, I, I think he's, uh, he's definitely, you know, really valued within the organization. I don't know that he has that kind of magnetic, um, uh, kind of, I, I wouldn't say personality, but I, I don't know that he's that magnetic star that you can necessarily do a bunch of PR around. Um, but the other thing to remember is that when Goran Dragic was traded for, he was not brought here to be a centerpiece in terms of like the guy or even the second guy, or quite frankly, even the third guy. So, um, so I don't know that they ever had that vision for him, but as times change and you need to kind of, um, uh, you know, write the story to the fan base and tug on the heartstrings. I think that they maybe have had opportunities to do that and they haven't done it as much. Um, but the, the interesting thing with Goran Dragic going into this season that I think has not been talked about enough is how crucial 
this season is to the decision whether he will opt in or opt out to his uh, deal next summer. And uh, I know that that could open up a ton of flexibility for the Heat, but they may also want to keep him based on his productivity and his salary. So I think that that's an interesting underlying factor to the way that Goran approaches this season, knowing that he has that opt out coming on next summer. He said today that he wants to finish his career in Miami. He was definitive about it Uh, because I asked him, I said, do you feel like a Miamian at this point? And he said, this is home. I want to finish my career here. I've never heard him say that that specifically as he did, because it wasn't, it wasn't something we were trying to, I was trying to prompt from him. It was something he wanted to say. So I don't know if that plays into the opt out decision or if maybe he'll try to get, you know, a two or three year deal after he opts out, maybe at a little bit less money per year, but but clearly he's comfortable in Miami. He's raising his kids in Miami. He likes Miami. I know he likes a lot of Miami restaurants. So I, I think he wants to stay. I mean, he made it pretty clear. So, uh, you know, again, that, that may be in his hands with the opt-out. All right, Wayne Ellington. Um, we had Wayne on our pod recently. Really enjoyed that. You know, Wayne's one of the really good guys uh, with this team. Now, Nikias, I, I know, you know, you talked a little bit, you know, about obviously what he is as a shooter. I guess the concern with Wayne is what happened in the playoffs where he kind of got schemed off the floor a little bit as a defender. Is that something he can fix? Um, I'm not sure if that's anything that he can fix. It would be different if he had poor effort. And I feel like that's the kind of thing that you can kind of fix a little bit. But he typically knows where he's supposed to be. He's not an inattentive defender at all. He just doesn't navigate screens well, and he already doesn't have great foot speed. So I'm not sure what that's going to look like as he gets older. I think that's at least partly why Miami went with another one-year deal here, because I just don't see, I'm not sure how he's going to age. Yeah, Leif, I was surprised uh, that he took the one-year. We asked him about it, and he talks about being comfortable here in Miami and that he really hadn't found a winning situation before. He's been with a lot of bad teams. I mean, I think that's part of it. I mean, we all remember him being sort of, we used to call him the random scrub heat killer, right? And he's turned it, he's turned it to more than that, but he was playing with a lot of bad teams that, that beat those big three heat teams. So I, my question on this was, I don't know if you know what his market was out there, but I was a little surprised that he would have to come back for one year at 6 million, considering what other shooters have gotten out on the open market. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I, I thought when I saw the deal that went to um, uh, the, the guy that Indiana grabbed on the first day, Doug McDermott, I thought to myself, okay, here, here's the market is being set for the shooters and it's a multi-year deal. Then you see J.J. Reddick grab his deal and uh, it further cemented the fact that I thought shooters, there was going to be a market for them. But for some reason, the bottom fell out from Wayne Ellington's market. And I don't know if it was as much that um, as maybe he really values the stability, values the ability to be maximized in Miami. And also, uh, you know, there could be talk of him being an integral piece to this team going forward as a veteran leader, as they continue to try to push some of these young guys. Uh, and also because of his skill set, specifically being a floor spacer, a guy that um, can go one game and play 32 minutes and the next game play two minutes and never complain about it. Those types of things are really valuable to them. So I think that if they were going to give a wink, wink to a player and say, well, we will take care of you. Wayne Ellington is that type of guy. So, um, you know, that's kind of how I, uh, processed what took place this summer all right we don't need to spend a lot of time on Udonis Haslam if you want to hear uh, from Udonis we, we spent about 15 minutes with him on the pod we're going to be releasing and talk not only about the heat but also about the Canes and the Dolphins somehow we got sidetracked in that conversation so um, we kind of know what UD's role is going to be this year I don't think it's going to be all that different so let's move to James Johnson and 
Nikias, I, I guess the question is, was there, in your view, watching him, was the drop-off in his play last year sort of a regression to the mean of his career, or do you think in watching him that it was injury-related? I felt like it was injury-related because there were only a few stretches of games where James Johnson looked like James Johnson, where he was taking it to the rim aggressively. He was flying all over the place defensively. Um making quick reads out of pick and roll and things of that nature. It just felt like he was more groundbound. And um, that just, that combined with the tentativeness we saw a little bit last year, it kind of makes me feel like it was the injury thing. And he just didn't want to say anything about it. But um, uh, yeah, I think it's mostly injury related. Yeah. Leif, do you think they're having buyer's remorse on that deal? That's a tough question. I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth. Yes and no. I think that they, um, the things that he brings to the team, that's exactly, he's the consummate heat player. That's what you want. Um, they are willing to overpay a little bit for a guy like James Johnson, particularly the the defensive stuff that he brings, the leadership stuff that he brings. Uh, also the, like the no nonsense, you're not going to like mess with my teammates kind of thing that he brings. That's all valuable stuff that, um, you know, in the heat organization, they've always placed a premium on those traits, but it is, you know, a little difficult when you saw that dip in production this past season and you see his age as to what that's going to look like two, three years down the line. But I will say it was like he dunked on Oladipo in the first home game of the season, and it was nasty. And then after that, like shortly thereafter that, he didn't bring the noise to the rim like that the rest of the season. And the year prior, he was dunking on Steph Curry and the next night it was in Detroit he's dunking on another guy um, and so I, that spring that bounce you didn't see that grounded was a great term that Nikias just used I feel like uh, like if he is playing the way that JJ played it the, the last 16 games of the 30 and 11 ending of the season uh, if you get that JJ then I think he's worth the money even though he's probably overpaid by two or three million dollars a year yeah my, my issue was more the years than the money but uh, you know because I, I think that made it difficult to move him but speaking of a guy making a lot of money and we actually had him on the Miami Heat, Heat Beat podcast so that's definitely must listen uh, Tyler Johnson spending some time with, with those guys you know, Nikai's. I, I feel like Tyler's gotten a bit of a bum rap now because we talk about the contract instead of the player. And if you just looked at the value they got for the first two years of this deal at $5 million each, they got pretty decent value for basically a third guard. But just evaluate him as a player. Let, I'll let Leif deal with the contract here in a second. But just, just as a player last season, did he take a step back in your view? I don't think he did. And I feel like I'm in the minority with that take. I think there was a slight dip in shooting last year because he started the season ice cold. Um, but overall, I think he took a step up just because he grew so much on ball. Um, he started nailing pocket passes out of pick and roll, and that's something that he had struggled with in his first two years with Miami. Um, started making better reads out of that. He really became a reliable secondary ball handler. Um, you still don't want him to be a backup point guard, per se, but he's a guy that you can trust to make solid reads and not turn it over add that with the shooting and the decent on-ball defense when he's guarding someone his size. And I think we still have a valuable player. Maybe not $19 million, but, I mean, he's definitely worth double digits. Yeah, so if he's worth double digits, that's what the contract basically is. I mean, uh, you know, right? I mean, it's just that it was spread out differently, but essentially it's a $12 million a year contract. So, Leif, everything I've heard was that that was a Mickey call, um, not as much a Pat call, but that was something that Mickey kind of went over the top on that one, didn't want to lose the asset. I, I don't want to ask if they have buyer's remorse because I know they do. 
but what what do they do there? Like if Tyler's not moved now, which I'm not anticipating, do you think there's any chance that he stays with the Heat until the end of his deal? End of the deal? That I, I doubt it. I feel like when he's in expiring contract that that's going to be something that they're going to look to move, get pieces that maybe can supplement the guys they have. Who knows who they'll have by then? Um, and, uh, you know, he's never going to do anything on the court right now that's going to justify $19 million. But I, I really hope that with all these guys that are able to handle the ball, that they give Tyler the opportunity to do some more spot-up shooting. Nikias probably has statistics that I cannot rattle off the top of my head. But I feel like um, the more that they cast him in that role of being able to be a spot-up shooter and not as much of a primary ball handler, he at least can start to approach the – let's say average contract value, that whatever 11 or $12 million number that you threw out here a moment ago. Cause I know when they looked at matching that deal, part of the justification was, well, if this was split over four years equally, then we would take this deal. No problem. And, um, and that was kind of how Mickey, uh, I guess, talked himself into it. Uh, so, you know, like I'm thinking that he can definitely, be a contributing player to the team, an absolute rotation guy. There's no doubt about that. He can be valuable. Uh, but as an expiring contract next season, all bets are off. I feel like he'll be on the table and moved. All right, I want to put two guys together here because I, I feel like one of them has maximized his potential and the other is just sort of scratching the surface of his potential. So, Nikias, if I was to say to you, this season, who has more of a role for this team, Derek Jones Jr. or Rodney Magruder? I am going to go with – I want to talk about both sides of my neck as well. Um, I think the answer should be Derrick Jones Jr. But the last we saw from Rodney Magruder, well, just this time last year, Rodney Magruder had such a strong camp, such a strong summer, such a strong preseason that he was pretty much slated to start ahead of Josh Richardson at small forward. And then he had leg surgery and that kind of derailed his whole year. I fully expect Rodney Magruder to come out and show out in camp this year. And I just think that Derrick Jones Jr. won't get much of a shot unless he wilds too. And to his credit, he's had a strong summer himself. He was one of the leading scorers of summer league for whatever stock you want to put into that. But I just think um, Magruder's already been in the system. He obviously has supposed trust. Um, I think he's going to have more of a shot to showcase what he can do. Leif, what do you think? You know, the funny thing is both of these guys deserve a shot this year. And both of them, um, I feel like the, the beauty of an 82-game season is that there's going to be times where some of these guys are injured, some of the, you know, top-level guys that are ahead of them in the rotation, and they both will get an opportunity. But if you're sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details if, if you're putting me on the spot who's going to get the opportunity first it's mick Ruder, just because he uh he hustles he uh you know he knows where to be on defense uh he can shoot from the edges uh, I heard over the summer that he has gained a considerable uh, amount to his vertical jump, which I don't know what that will do to his uh, game and getting to the rim uh, and, and being able to finish or, you know, even just finishing on the break, things like that. So I don't know if he's able to take any other leap. Uh, I know that Derek Jones Jr. has a gigantic leap to still take, but I feel like this season with the guys that we have trying to make a playoff push, 
uh, Rodney Magruder will probably be first in line just because of all of those, th- those intangible things that he brings to the team. Yeah, I, f- I feel like it's the ultimate heat push pull, right? Between, you know, sort of the culture guy and the potential guy, which I feel like they're always having this battle. And I would agree that they usually go with the culture guy. So uh, my anticipation is it'll probably be Magruder. All right, let, we're going to get to some of this sort of the back end of the roster guys all at once at the end. So I want to move to Kelly Olinick because when that deal was first made, I didn't like it. Um, and it's not a deal that would have been available to the Heat if Gordon Hayward hadn't gone to Boston and they hadn't need to clear that money. Uh, but the numbers with Kelly on the court, and I know you guys both know them, were really good last year. Where can he grow his game, Nikias? Um, he needs to be a little bit more aggressive. Um, I think he was, I think at worst, Miami's third best shooter, and at worst, probably their fourth best passer. But um, the work he did in dribble handoffs, faking it, um, creating shots for other players, that was great. But he passed up a lot of looks. And for a team that was kind of devoid of shooters outside of Wayne Ellington and Tyler Johnson, um, he needs to be more of that guy. What do you think, Leif? Yeah, I mean, with I don't want to trade Kelly Olenek. He fits perfectly for what we're trying to do as a as a floor spacer, as a big that can uh, that can stretch the floor. But there's there's just a part of me that when I look at the roster and I look at the contracts and I think about deals that they're trying to make, uh, he's one of those guys that I feel like is attractive around the league, has a good contract uh, in hindsight, which is funny because when the deal was signed, there was a lot of uh, loud noises about it. Um, so I, I just feel like the, the, the one thing about KO is that he's going to be in conversations all year long. Anybody that pops up, I feel like if there's going to be a veteran that we can plug into a deal uh, – Kelly Olenek is that guy. Listen to me saying we. You can tell that I'm a fan underneath it all. <laughs> it's all right. You're still allowed to be. That's fine. Um, I mean, you should have seen the guys that, that uh, practiced today. They were holding it all back. All right, so let's get to the next guy. We, we sat down with him for quite a while today, Josh Richardson. We talked about where he can grow his game. And, you know, I was pretty straightforward with him. I said, you know, can we get the Josh Richardson of December the entire season? And he said, that's where I need to get to. And he admitted that he was not aggressive enough uh, during the course of the game, but particularly late in games that he needs to defer less and even when he's got Dwayne or Dion or somebody like that on the floor. And so, Nakai, do you feel he's capable of that? Because when, when I look at all this talk about trading him for Jimmy Butler, and as we're taping, you know, that to me is – I keep hearing that's a piece that the Heat really don't want to throw in for Jimmy Butler. But he's four years younger than Jimmy Butler. He's on a much, 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 much better contract than Jimmy Butler. You know, Butler's contract could be $42 million when he's 32 or 33 years old. And I guess the question is, can Josh Richardson get anywhere close to a Jimmy Butler level? Do you think that's possible, Nikias? Um, I think the jury is still out a little bit. If you would have asked me this this time last year, I would have said absolutely not, just because I didn't I wasn't sure that he could create at all for himself in a consistent matter. And the leap he took last year, um, becoming a consistent finisher with his left, um, developing a consistent pull-up jumper out of pick and roll to keep defenders honest. Um, he's always been a good shooter. Well, he's been a sporadic shooter, but he kind of solidified himself as a good shooter last year. Um, I think the potential is there, honestly. Um, he can get into that fringe all-star range if he takes another leap as a creator. Yeah, I feel like Josh Richardson, like this is the year that he will start to approach the stat lines that we saw from Eddie Jones at the same age, 26, 25, somewhere in those ye- in those years of Eddie Jones' career. He was getting 16 and 4 and 3 and some somewhere in that ballpark. I feel like that's the next – progression of Josh Richardson's game um, and also being obviously an all NBA defender 
Um, even though he didn't make the team, he's an all NBA defender by my standards. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I feel like the, the weird part about it though, is that who knows if he'll ever be able to reach that and flourish, uh, at the, at, you know, like playing on the wing, it may end up being that, uh, eventually when he gets the opportunity to play more at the two, that that's when you see that leap. So, uh, so patience is a virtue with Jay Rich, even though we're expecting that leap, I feel like he's still kind of out of position, uh, even though we're trying to play positionless. I'm going to comment on both things because uh, first, uh, I think I was the first one to make the Eddie Jones comparison with him directly, and he didn't really get it at the time, and now he's making it himself. So I, I'm with you on the Eddie Jones comparison. I covered Eddie, and there are a lot of similarities uh, between the two of them, including the knock that neither was aggressive enough, uh, which Eddie used to get all the time, particularly when he was the third option. The other thing is I asked Josh directly today – because Chris and I have had this debate on our pod because Chris does not think there's a big difference between the two and the three and that basically everybody's a wing. And when I asked Josh, he basically indicated that for him there is, and it's just a size thing. He's like, I would be one of the bigger two guards in the league and I have to size up at the three. So Riley said it himself, Josh should be a two, but when you have five other two guards on the roster, uh, it makes it challenging. So I'm curious to see if he ever gets – that opportunity here. The other concern is that his game tailed off when Dwayne came in. So they've got to figure out a way. Winslow got better and Richardson got worse. They got to figure out a way uh, to fix that. All right, let's move on to the next guy here and let's actually talk about Dwayne. Um, Dwayne spoke today for about 30 minutes at the podium, kind of indicated that this season would be a combination of basketball and nostalgia, that he fought this whole idea of a retirement tour uh, but that he came around to it a little bit, that Eric Spolster was actually the one who talked him into it the Friday before Dwayne announced. I kind of feel like Dwayne was already leaning that way, but as I remember now, I saw Dwayne that night um, after he spoke to Spolster. I didn't realize he'd spoken to Spolster at the time, but I was at that soft opening for 800 degrees, and Dwayne was incredibly relaxed and a little buzzed on wine. And, uh, and <laughs> didn't, didn't seem like he had a concern in the world, and it's, it's probably because he did decide that day that, that he was going to come back and and kind of at least sort of gotten that lifted off of his mind. So, Nikias, um, you and Winningham, you and Winningham tend to be the the skeptics on Dwayne from a basketball perspective at times. He did not sort of when we asked him about starting today, he kind of indicated he wants to start. He didn't say it directly, but he said I would fill whatever role. But he said every player wants to start. Is there any way in your view that Dwayne Wade should start? Um, should probably not. Um, I just don't think that's the best way to utilize him in the con- in the context of the rest of the team. Um, I've kind of already accepted that he is going to start. I just feel like with Dion being out, I think he's going to be slid into the lineup a little easier. Wait, Nikias, you're totally overthinking this. The reason why Dwayne Wade is going to start this season is because he needs to be announced last in the starting lineup so the crowd can go crazy for 41 home games, hopefully. Uh, and – that's the thing with, with Dwayne this season is like, I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm throwing out the metrics. I'm throwing out the lineups. I'm throwing out all of that kind of stuff. And I'm just taking in the moments. I said it on the heat beat podcast last week. Like this is about today was Dwayne Wade's last media day. And, uh, and we had a presence there and that's awesome. Watching all the other things that take place this season with Dwayne Wade and knowing that it's the last time that we're going to see the greatest player in franchise history, do these things that's where I'm going into this season. And that's my mindset uh, as a fan and as an observer, like that, that kind of transcends all of this, like how's he going to fit and what's he going to do? I want it to all work. 
but uh, but it's Dwayne Wade. Uh, understandable. I get it. I feel I know I'm in the minority in that, but yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at. The thing about it, though, is if they trade for Jimmy Butler, and we don't know if that's going to happen, but then I think everything changes, guys. Like, I, you know, it, this feels – Whittingham turned to me today and he said, this season is basically about honoring Dwayne and Udonis, isn't it? And I said, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, they couldn't get anything else done this offseason because of what happened in 2017. And so they feel good about this, those two guys coming back. And, you know, but now at this stage, if they get Jimmy Butler, then all of a sudden you're talking about getting a top five player in the conference. I know you have him, Nikias, as the ninth best player in the entire league. That, you know, with the supporting cast that you could potentially have, then you can actually, you know, contend for maybe a four seed in the Eastern Conference, maybe even a three seed if things broke right for you. So I feel like the Dwayne conversation is different then. Like if they're actually competing for something, then it may be more of an issue what his metrics are. It may be more of an issue what he can give defensively. And he admitted today, he's like, some days are going to look really good. And some days aren't going to look good. Like, I think Dwayne has come to terms that, with the fact that he's just not the same guy consistently. The other thing about it is there was a lot of talk about how well he played in Miami compared to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the numbers show you, Nikias, but they're exactly the same. <laughs> they were the same. Like, I, I couldn't find, you know, maybe you can go a little deeper into the metrics on that, but I couldn't find a whole lot of difference. Like, he, he looked to me like, I mean, you go across the board, the shooting percentages, the assist numbers, the rebound numbers, everything per 36 minutes the same so I think that is what he is now I think there'll be some nights maybe one out of three they're like that game two against Philadelphia maybe one out of four there'll be another night that's pretty good and there'll be another night that's a clunker I, I just think when you're 36 years old that's what happens oh I know one metric that got better body fat percentage yes that's one that improved in <laughs> well that did but but as far as his play on the court it was kind of the same I, I think what people forget is that there was a period of time in Cleveland where he was really good leading the second unit like and then yes then things fell apart but you know he was really good for a period of time so uh, I do think he's going to start I think because Spo trusts him I think that more than anything else, but you're right on this team. If this team was constructed properly, Josh Richardson would be the starting two at this stage, right? Two more that I want to get to, and then we'll just go real quickly through the other guys. Hassan Whiteside, Eric Spolster went out of his way today to praise Hassan. I also know because I do know someone that's relatively close to Hassan that they've had good conversations this summer, that there has been positive feedback both ways. Hassan, as he's done before, said all the right things today. Spolster said, I think he can be the player he was two years ago and kind of attributed a lot of what happened last year to the injury that he suffered. Now, I also know behind the scenes, a big issue is that Hassan would not treat the injury the way that they wanted and would not wear the brace. And that was a big issue. And that was one of the reasons that Eric, from what I've heard, threw up his hands. So Hassan Whiteside, in your view, Nikias, is he still a valuable player to this team if he's here? Um, yes, I think so, because I think he's still by far the best rebounder, best run protector on the team, um, just in terms of volume, even though he doesn't roll and screen as hard or as often as we want him to, he's still the best rim running threat on the team. I think Bam gets there, but as for right now, Hassan just has a, the size, the strength, the touch around the rim that the other guys just don't have. So I think at bare minimum, you're looking at a solid starting center. Now, the thing with Hassan has always been a, will he give effort? B, will he play within himself? Um, I think the effort waned kind of like it always does, but also you could tell that he didn't move as well laterally. He didn't. He wasn't as explosive at the rim because of the knee. So I do think with better health, he's going to be better in those regards. But he still has to want it. And if he wants it, then he can get into maybe becoming an all-star center. But until then, but if he doesn't, then he'll still be decent, but he's going to – 
he's not going to approach the value of his contract. Yeah, I mean, the talent is absolutely there. It's just a matter of as the season goes on and you go through trials and tribulations, how do you respond to it? What is your approach? And, um, and I think that those are still question marks. And we've had media days before. We've had trade deadlines pass before where the, where the, the press conferences are, or the interviews directly following, uh, they sound warm, they sound fuzzy, and the right things are said. And then um, when certain stretches of basketball take place, then some of that stuff get, gets thrown out the window. And what will be interesting for me to see this year is with Bam Adebayo emerging, with Kelly Olynyk being such a good fit, uh, like if all of a sudden things start to sour with Hassan at the money that he's making, uh, like Spoh's got some tough decisions because in a five-game series, you can chalk it up to matchups. You can chalk it up to, uh, you know, we're, we're up against the wall. We got to go with our best guys. This is who we went with. But over an 82-game schedule, it's tough to just go tell a guy to sit down for an extended period of time. So, um, so that'll be something that I'm watching to see, uh, you know, hopefully they can get his minutes back up. His productivity the year prior to last was, uh, was definitely better. He looked healthier. I think that that definitely contributed. So I'm, I'm hoping to see a bounce back year from him, but it needs to be more than just the physical aspects and the talent aspects of the game. All right, three minutes left here. So we got one more core player to go with. Uh, we know he's better, according to Miami Heat beat. Point justice. Are we going to see point justice this year, Nikias? Uh, if Dragic is still here, which I'm anticipating he will be, do you think justice plays as the backup point guard? And is that the best role for him? Hey, it's absolutely the best role for him. I have been pounding this drum for two and a half years now. Um, he needs to have the ball in his hands because I think he is – well, Dwayne's back now. So I will say I think he's comfortably the second best passer. On the team. Um, will he get that? I highly doubt it just because we haven't seen many reps from him. Um, Spo just hasn't given him that much opportunity. We saw it in the playoffs, but I'm not sure how sustainable that is. And now Dwayne's back. Dion might be back. Um, there's just going to be a lot of um, guys that need ball handling reps. And I'm just, I don't think Justice is going to get it. The other aspect of this that's interesting is watching how you handle a player that's uh, facing extension talks. You know what I mean? Like, like if he plays really, really well, all of a sudden the value goes through the roof. Or if he doesn't play well, you can't, you can't move him for anything. So it, it's, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Uh, you know, Justice is better when Dwayne Wade is here. So, so I feel like that's a really big positive thing for him going into the season. Uh, but he's another guy, kind of like Kelly Olynyk, in that it just when you look at trades and things like that, I feel like his name is going to continually pop up, and how he handles that will be a you know another key to uh, to the mental aspect of of approaching this season for Justice Winslow with that extension looming. All right, thirty seconds each. Dion Waiters uh, was not available to the media, at least upstairs today. I will say this: Spolster was really high on Hassan Whiteside today. He was a little bit dismissive about Dion, and I, I know the organization is not really happy with the way this whole injury thing has played out. So, thirty seconds or left less, Nikias, can he get in in a Heat uniform this year anywhere close to those last two months of the sixteen seventeen season? Um, I think he can get close. Um, you could tell the ankle hindered him defensively, but also his three-point percentage plummeted last year. I think he can get that to at least league average. And once you add in the fact that he can't create so well with the ball, um, I think he can at least approach some of it. He'll at least be able to bend defenses in the same way that he did. Our, big, our biggest hope is that he attaches himself to the hip of Dwayne Wade and tries to um, soak in as much of whatever Dwayne's been had, whatever he's had going on all these years. That, you know, that was one of the things with Dion. 
spend a year with Dwayne, see how Dwayne approaches everything, see how he handles the media, see how he handles practice, every aspect. And uh, that can do nothing but help Dion. But I know the organization is in a weird place right now with him. Yeah, they're in a weird place. He used to call himself Kobe Wade. Um, the one thing he can't do with Dwayne Wade is play with him. I just don't think that. Nikias and I are in agreement there. I don't think that's going to work. All right, last one here for you guys. Again, follow him uh, at lefty underscore Leif on Twitter. Also at Nikias NBA. You can find them on the Miami Heat Beat podcast. Give me one player, guys, that you think can get – they always have one. Ronnie Magruder a couple of years ago, there's always one guy that comes out of camp, and you're like, wow, they really need to keep that guy or at least keep a watch on him at Sioux Falls. Nikias, real quick, who's yours? Um, I want to say Briante Weber, if for no other reason than um, he might fight someone if he doesn't make it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going Duncan Robinson. They, lo- they loved him at the draft. They almost tried to uh, move into the second round to get him. Uh, they they feel like he could have some Mike Miller clone abilities to him. Uh, so that that's the guy I think that they're going to keep their eye on. But they like Yontay Mayton too. I hope I'm saying his name right. Um, so, uh, But Duncan Robinson, if you're giving me one name. All right, guys. Uh, thanks. We just went through basically the entire roster. Training camp, as we're taping this, starts tomorrow at FAU. We'll leave this episode up for a while on Patreon. But obviously, follow Miami Heat Beat. Follow HeatBeatMiami.com, where Nikias will be writing regularly. And obviously, follow the Five Reasons Sports Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money.